0: If you've ever wondered if a shot clock is necessary in high school basketball, then you're going to want to listen into this episode because my guest and I are both going to break down the pros and cons, believe it or not, of having a shot clock in high school basketball. So hopefully by the end of this, you'll have a different perspective and maybe you'll have learned something. This is the Game Time Guru. So,
1: what time is it? Game Time Boom.
0: what's going on everybody welcome out to another episode of the game time guru podcast you know me i'm your host shane larson and today we've got a good discussion coming up for you and uh, i've got tyler bates better known as tb joining me you might remember him from a podcast a couple months back when we spoke about soccer the original football uh, and we we had him talking because he's the president of the american outlaws in boise and I want to get to know, you know, what's been going on with you, TB, since the last time that we spoke. Mm-hmm. Well,
1: since last time we spoke, well, a lot of things have happened. Uh, obviously, the US didn't make the World Cup. So uh, bummer, of-
0: dude. That's bummer. That was terrible, man.
1: Yeah, there was a lot of disappointment among everybody out there, and there's been a lot of backlash behind it. We've had a new U.S. soccer president be elected. But as far as the chapter goes itself, everything moves on as it goes. I mean, we still have women's World Cup qualification that we have to pay attention to. They're in the midst of a couple of 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 a couple of matches that they're going through right now. We still have men's matches that we're paying attention to. I mean, here in late March, the men are still going to be playing against Paraguay. we got matches against Ireland and in France and in June. So things keep going. As they go. I mean, although the hype and the excitement with the World Cup, which is about 100 days away, isn't happening, we're still going to be paying attention to it while at the same time hoping and praying that the future of US soccer gets a little bit better despite this disappointment from last year.
0: Dude, so it still goes forward, you know, even though you had that demoralizing, you know, didn't qualify, but you still keep going forward. That's what I like to hear. Um, yeah. This is a fun time of year for for other sports, too. I mean, it's March Madness. Uh, we've got the NCAA tournament coming up. Um, we we got to watch high school basketball and the, the, in Idaho that just ended for you know the state championships. And uh, did you happen to catch in, any of those uh, high school basketball state championships or anything in the tournament this past week?
1: I did. I, I mean, I really love these state basketball tournaments in this area and here, and particularly more to the areas of where I grew up in. I grew up about a couple hours south in the Twin Falls area. So I know a lot of these smaller schools that came, that come up to here for the state tournament. And so I kept a real close eye on the likes of Twin Falls and these really small. But more importantly, most of all, it was kind of Kimberly, just mostly because they were playing at the high school. You and I graduated from at Meridian High School. And I remember specifically 3A tournaments always happening while we were in class at the same time. Right. and but i just i and kimberly actually made it this year and there was a strong there's a connection because i have a pretty close family friend his son is actually was on the team so followed them really closely and then got there to championship saturday and watched pretty much 1a up to 4a so yeah i did catch a lot of action over the weekend
0: man dude isn't high school basketball just so much fun even though we're like that's the thing people always like make fun of me because i talk about High school basketball are like, get over it, man. You got to grow up. I'm like, no, you don't understand. There's like this passion that's behind it, man. Don't you just love it, dude? The passion with the players and the communities
1: that's the thing is no matter how old you get and especially and i would say attributing to anybody else and especially if they have their own son or their own daughter that's growing up right now just think about it a few years down the road from now for them they're going to have a chance to experience that being a father or a mother but it's just the it's the excitement in the area it's the passion of these small schools these small towns now i come now where i came from from my childhood i come from a small town in kimberly or hanson in that area and unlike here in meridian there's only one high school. There's one high school, there's one team that you follow. The whole town is behind it. You never know when you're going to have that chance to actually get to the state tournament, let alone actually qualify and actually make it to the state championship game. And so when it happens for these schools, it's almost a once in a lifetime chance, or it doesn't come around very much because, because of the proximity of all the smaller schools in this state, it's much harder for the smaller schools to make it than it is for the larger schools. So when you get your chance to go, the whole town is packed up in Boise for the next three, four days cheering their team on regardless whether they win or lose and it's just so much fun to see and talk to with these fans and just to see what they can what they what they bring for the whole state tournament it's just uh, it's just an unbelievable experience
0: dude i love it man i love it and i love that you bring up that whole communities behind them um i mean obviously in in some of the more uh, you know the larger the larger cities with the larger schools you're going to have a like in in Meridian, Idaho, we've got Rocky Mountain which is like 2 miles down the road from Meridian High School, which is about 4 miles down the road from Mountain View High School and which is another 5 miles from Centennial High School. Like I mean everyone's just right there. You're within like 10 minutes driving distance from pretty much every school. So like you don't get the the same small town feel to it, but there's still like, you know, you get some big athletes with the 5A schools or the 4A schools, you know, the larger schools. And so that's exciting to watch, but yeah, that community base behind the smaller towns is so awesome and I got to go to the just touch base on this. I got to go. I, I made it to the very end of the 3A state championship and stayed for the the end of that and the 4A and 5A games at the championship the championship games and the 3A games. It's just cool to see the fans that were there. You know, like they're they all they they all stayed at you know for the Meridian High School. They they hosted it for the first two days and then they make it championship Saturday and it's at the Idaho Center, which is our big. You know, big basketball court, big arena here in in Nampa, just down the road. And it's cool to see them. They're all excited to be there because they're used to being at the small school for the first two days and they all make the trip together down to the other, the other arena for the championship. It's just a cool feeling, man. Just it's so legit. And I just love this, this week, every single year. I love this week. And I always try to take time off to actually like go in and, and watch and support some of those schools. Now, one thing that I noticed, and this is why I wanted to bring you on the show is because I saw you post something on social media regarding the shot clock, um, and that's when I was like, "Dude, he's got it." He's like, "I know this is a topic that comes up, but I was like, TB knows. Like, this is he knows there's something that needs to be changed." And what did you say? Do you remember?
1: Something about maybe being a shot clock that needs to be installed. I mean, we need the shot clock era in the state of Idaho. I think I'm not the only one behind it, but there's but i made an advocate and i'm just sitting there one of the games and just thinking about myself and i just had to put that out there on twitter just like We need a shot clock now more than ever. So I do. I do remember that point blank. And I'm glad that you caught me in the midst of all
0: that too. (laughs) Dude. I remember I saw it and I'm like, Oh dude, I love TV. This is, I agree a hundred percent, but today that's what we're going to talk about is the shot clock in high school basketball. We're going to talk about, you know, whether or not like what the arguments are for it, uh, what the arguments are against it. If there are any, but maybe there are, we've got a couple of things we wanted to touch base on today. Um, and, and I'm glad I brought you on because we were we're very like minded when it comes to that. But we got to see both sides and see what we can find out about this uh, to move forward, because there, there definitely is a change that we believe should be made. Now, currently, the shot clock is not allowed in high school, according to the NFHS, which is the National Federation of State High School Associations. Um, and like I said, I saw you t- uh, post on Twitter about it. Um, And Mike Prater, who was an editor for the Idaho Statesman for quite some time, he posted about it. Um, Let's take a look at the eight states. Do you know which eight states actually allow uh, the shot clock in high school basketball?
1: Yes, to do. Currently, right now, what we have down on the list is Washington, New York, California, North Dakota, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, Maryland, and South Dakota are the eight states currently right now that regulate or use a shot clock in the high school era Right now, for right now
0: okay and one one interesting topic that I noticed so like out of those eight states so they essentially any state that uses the shot clock which is against the National Federation of state high school associations that's it's against their rules they essentially forfeit their opportunity for service on the basketball rules committee um, that's because because one person asked when I was doing some research I saw somebody ask on a forum page well what's the punishment if these schools are allowed to use them why isn't everybody allowed to use them like what's what's that actually the punishment like what could you get in trouble for I, apparently that's the main thing you for, forfeit your opportunity for service on the basketball rules committee so in my opinion who cares like if that's yeah. like the worst that's going to happen cool um so that's that's the deal we just wanted to talk about that real quick that there is no shot clock in high school basketball, um, according to the NFHS rules, but there are eight states that have implemented it for both. You know, some of them have only implemented it for girls, some have implemented it for guys, and some have implemented it for both. Um, now let's talk about why we need one. So let's get to the topic of your opinion. You said it on, on your social media feed. We need a shot clock. I want to know why you think we need it. And let's go over some points here on why it's it's essential in high school ball. Well, first of
1: all, I think off we can we can both agree with this is just eliminating the stalling that happens in basketball. I think that just grinds us more than anything else, both as players and both as spectators. When you're sitting there on the front court on offense, and you're sitting there on defense, five guys on the floor, and they hold the ball and just pass it up on the top of the key from left to right and you watch this for a minute and a half 2 minutes and you think to yourself well what what good is it then playing defense if all we're going to do is pass the ball around there's no sense of urgency with that and, and right. that is just something for not just on a player's perspective to say why play defense but then it falls back on the coach saying well what mo- what motivates the coach then to on defense or maybe on offense and then from players and from the fans and from the spectators that are just sitting there. And like I was last week and probably you have as well and have seen many times, what is the, what is the excitement in that then if all we're doing is passing the ball back and forth. Now I understand that the game used to be eons years ago, back in the day, it was like this, they didn't have it. But ladies and gentlemen, the game has evolved from so many years forward now. And this, we're in a much better, in a faster stage. If anything is, it's now it's go time. Every single minute we go, we have to have some type of urgency with that. So I think for the first thing is eliminating the stalling is the big key thing in this first argument for it.
0: The only thing I wanted to talk about is on defense. Um, if if the if the, the team is stalling, like you said, it's, it's extremely difficult. Like I always said, like you got to pressure, like the, the defensive coach has got to pressure the ball to get the ball moving. But there's, there's plays that coaches run. I've been part of it myself. Uh, they run plays to specifically stall. It's like a little three man weave at the top of the key. And they just keep, you know, handing it off to each other. So basically the only way that you can get the ball out of their hands is to foul them. Um, and, and, uh, that's not always going to be effective if they're going to get to the free throw line. So that sucks. Stalling sucks. And what I wanted to talk about is in the five, a state championship basketball game in the state of Idaho last Saturday, uh, two teams were uh, going at it. It ended up, being a crazy comeback in the fourth quarter. Uh, one of the teams tied it. So Rocky Mountain High School uh, was playing Hillcrest, I believe, and Rocky came back in the fourth quarter, somehow miraculously comes back, ties it, um, and then they actually took the lead. Hillcrest comes in and ties it with 45 seconds left um, to get the to get the game back. And it's knotted, um, and there's 45 seconds left, man, and Rocky comes over and, and gets past half court and just starts dribbling the ball. I actually thought they were getting set up for their offense and they were going to run their set. Uh, but they ended up just dribbling the ball down, and there was no pressure applied to the person with the ball. So obviously, in high school, and same, you know, there's a five second violation if you're within, you know, arms reach of the of the ball player, five feet or arms reach. But no one even pressured the guy with the ball, so he dribbles it down to about 15 seconds, ends up calling a timeout, um, and then they set up for the last play of the game. Granted, they missed the last shot. Um, and they went into overtime. They still ended up winning. And what I just kept thinking though, is was like, man, this whole last 45 seconds would have played out a lot differently. I don't know if it, if, I mean, maybe they still would have won. Uh, maybe the whole game would have been differently, but had they added a, a, a shot clock at the end of that, it would have been much more exciting for that last 45 seconds. Um, one of the things I want to talk about is the fact that we got to teach these kids to execute, you know, part of being in the, you know, in high school basketball or playing any sport for that matter is, is, you know, you're learning plays, you're, you're needing to execute. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think it would hurt as far as like the kids having to execute under pressure? or Does it put too much pressure on the kids? Or do you think that would be a good benefit for kids?
1: I don't think it's too much really to ask of him. And I actually had to go and a good friend of ours, both Drew Vaco, who played at Timberline high school in his days. And he was, he grew up around the same time as we did. He's now a coach for junior varsity over at Timberline high school, but he reiterated to his point to say, I teach my guys for the execution. It's a sense of urgency for themselves. It really requires for me, I would be for just because of the fact then that it requires us to really be to go to the hoop, to find a way to get the ball into the hoop because we only have – It'd be that 30 seconds, be that 35 seconds, whatever it would be. But that also teaches us to have a quick motion with the ball rather than sitting around standing at the top of the key in a three man weave, as you alluded to, maybe this creates more sense of plays, man up or a high post, low post, maybe a backdoor cut that you see in college basketball. And he's, and he also reiterates to say that this probably prepares kids more and more as they prepare for college basketball, if they're going to play college basketball for that matter too, as well. So that may be something as well to say, yeah, Yes, this would be help for a sense of urgency, but I think it does help in execution and it also helps them in, in the speed up of the play.
0: <clears throat> yeah, man. And I'm glad you brought up Drew Vockel, uh, because Drew, a good buddy of ours, um, he, he's a coach and coaching. This is what this would essentially do is it would put pressure on the coaches. Um, the coaches, would have to essentially like learn how to set up these plays i know that they're coaching at the amateur level it's a it's high school it's the beginners of the beginners you know um as far as that's concerned but um it still puts pressure on them it's a different strategy you can't just stall you've got to run a play and then another thing that comes into mind is you know it's on the players and the coaches which is part of the excitement factor is the fact that Some high schools, you're kind of dealt with what you're dealt with. You know, you can't control what kids are coming to your high schools. Typically, Um, you know, legally, you're not supposed to be able to control who's coming to your high schools, especially if it's public school, obviously. So the thing is, is sometimes you get a superstar and sometimes you don't. Um, But you develop these players. And when the shot clock's running down um, in, in any kind of ball, what would essentially happen is you'd have to teach these players to execute quickly and if they can't get a play gone they need to get the ball in the playmaker's hand one of their superstars or whoever their best player is and that best player has to have the iq to understand that they need to put up a shot it's all a bunch of you know things that they would have to implement you know um into the game but i think it's beneficial for the kids because moving on in life whether you play college ball or not you're going to be asked to do that in your job you're going to be asked to think on your feet you're going to be asked to do these things and be effective when you when it's crunch time um that's whether you're working a nine to five if you're an entrepreneur whatever you might be doing in life um, or if you're competing in sports later on it's still something that i think could be beneficial for them going forward and adding a shot clock is just so much more exciting like it's it's just exciting and the execution is key in any aspect of life um is there any other arguments like you would put to say like why we need it from either a fan's perspective or from from a, a player's perspective
1: I think it's more if we're going to think about it, it's fan. It's the fan fan perspective i mean the atmosphere itself i mean we we enjoy it as much as we do right now in high school basketball we always love it especially to watch parents and to watch kids the fans the students themselves i think just more of the sense of basically you could basically the students have something to go after you know you've seen student sections they'll use the shot clock to their oh yeah (laughs) they're on defense you're also looking at things trying to intimidate maybe from that side but also from the but also from other spectators and fans as, as well as like i mean there you don't want people snoozing or sitting in the stand snoozing around just because the ball's been placing around the court you're sitting there for five six minutes on one possession. you want to be up and down the floor you want to see i mean you mentioned it, you mentioned it we're all about urgency nine to five certain things need to be done basically we want to see this we don't want to be seeing a 35 to 34 basketball game a lot of people want to see a 65 70 point game back and forth I think that's, I think more of the fan perspective wise, more spec, spectator wise is what we're looking at more. I think we've alluded enough on the coaching, on the player side of things, especially if you played it and especially if you coached it. There's a lot of things that go for it on for the shot clock era.
0: Man. And so you mentioned the fans perspective. Um, going into the arguments for not having one, interestingly enough, one of the things that I saw when I was doing a little bit of research this week was one of the arguments is the fact that. Um, this is an education-based system. Um, so it's an education-based system, and sure. we shouldn't be – this is what they said. We shouldn't be adhering to the entertainment of the public. So we don't need to worry about the entertainment of the public if it's an education-based system. My question is this. What's the NCAA then? I mean, we all know the, there's uh, arguments with the NCAA, but that's technically an sure. education-based system, and they have a shot clock. If we're just going to go into the little details, they have a shot clock, and they're are they adhering to the entertainment of the public?
1: Well, I I understand the whole perspective of the entertainment. The education kids should be focusing educational-wise. We shouldn't be adhering to it. We need to be teaching techniques and they you've alluded to it. Some schools are more are more lucky to get more talented players than others. I mean, I'll add on to what you just said. It's saying that it reduces ability for quote unquote David to beat Goliath. Now there's another story. You you mentioned the NFHS.org story. I go and read another story from the Idaho Statesman, Michael Liclama, who does an amazing job, and he's got an amazing story out there that breaks this down all the way for and against. He put this down as saying reduces ability for David to beat Goliath. And he says that smaller schools with the less talents have the quote unquote almost no chance to do anything in. And I, and I can see that argument because, I mean, you can see the difference on the talent level. It's sad to say it, but it's the cold hard truth about that right now. Smaller schools don't necessarily have as much talented players as some of the bigger schools, even from 3A, 4A, 5A level. You may see maybe one, maybe two talented guys, and they're your key guys on your teams. Whereas in the 4A or 5A level, you could start as many as four or five guys with talented players. So I can see that You want to be able to have an educated base and you want to be able to teach technique with the basketball skills for those who may not be as fortunate or as talented as some of the top players in the smaller school era. So I can see that argument from that side.
0: And man, I I get these arguments and this is why I wanted to bring it up because like obviously I'm – I want a shot clock in high school ball, but I wanted to see it from both perspectives to see what truly is going on there. I like that one. That's a great example. Another thing that came up was the cost of, of running a shot clock. Um, I didn't see that it was um, too expensive, but I guess I was trying to think of it myself. Like let's say the state of Idaho adopts um, shot clocks into the game and they, they, they start using them. This is where, the The argument comes in is like we may not think it's too expensive. However, you're from a small town. Um, yeah. And so some of these schools from smaller towns that are even smaller than yours, for that matter, um, they might not have the public funding that goes into, you know, keeping a shot clock, whatever it is. And if the shot clock breaks, do you replace it? Um, how does that work? Uh, you have to have someone that actually runs the shot clock. So you might actually end up having someone to have to work on the sideline outside. Either you teach, you have to go into the teaching hours of teaching the the timekeeper, how to you run the shot clock or you have somebody else that you're paying to run the shot clock, um, whoever it is. Cause I guess it's two separate things. I looked into that a little bit. Uh, it's two separate jobs um, or you have to pay for a system to be implemented um, like some computer-based software to actually run both at the same time. I guess there's a lot that actually goes into it in regards to funding. Whereas like I'm from a bigger city. Well, I shouldn't say a bigger city We're a smaller, big town I guess in in Meridian but there's bigger cities all across the the country that you know probably wouldn't hurt too bad like it wouldn't hurt them at all to implement a shot clock funding wise but from smaller towns I guess it could what's your thoughts on the funding part of it
1: The funding part is a big key thing, and you alluded to it. With these smaller schools, it's a little bit more difficult. I kind of dug into more and read a little bit more. Ty Jones, who's one of the directors of the IHSAA, he's actually a former superintendent at Hagerman High School, which is one of the smaller schools down in that area. He he once put out saying a $300 gate, by $300 gate he means, however many parents or however many fans come in, they charge a certain price to come in for a high school basketball game. A good night for them is 300 bucks. And basically telling people if they're gonna save the $300 that they get for each home game and then not spend anything else to make towards a shot clock for a small school, Well, then, yeah, you get the shot clock, but then he says to run into that cost. And you alluded to it. Somebody has to keep track of timing on the shot clock. There's a lot more operators towards that. The computer software that has to go behind it. There's a lot of things that go behind that. And also, not just only that, think about this, too, as well. All these other smaller schools in this state, particularly you look at their gyms, where they come from. A lot of these schools play in very, very old gyms still. It's very hard for electrical work or where to even place these shot clocks at. It's very difficult to get these things working and in sync and in time frame. They've alluded to that. Whereas they stress to say the bigger schools, like we said, here in Boise or maybe up in Post Falls, the Coeur area, it might be a little bit easier access for them because they have a little bit more resources, a little bit more newer newer you want to say more quote-unquote newer equipment per se they have it a little bit easier to go with so funding is always going to be a big key thing for these smaller schools than it is for the bigger school size but i do understand and see that it is a big costly experiment to go with the shot clock
0: and the crazy thing is is if one school if, if idaho decides to go with it one school goes, everybody has to go. Essentially. That's just, it's kind of, it would be the IHSAA. And that's the same for pretty much every state as well. That's run under the same organization, I guess, like, cause you, if, if your state adopts it, every school is going to adopt it. And you talked about the placement of the shot clock. Let's talk about that for a second. One thing that came up was, you know, for these smaller schools, a lot of them realistically would have a shot clock on the ground. Okay. So there's a shot clock on the ground, similar to like, in, in some schools for football, they have to put a play clock behind the end zone because they actually don't have a full scoreboard or something to that effect, right? And right, there's yeah. there's, a, there's a health and, and uh, injury risk with that. If they have to put a shot clock where the players can actually see it because it has to be able to be seen. That's the only way it's effective then it's got to be semi close to the court, which therefore causes a safety hazard for the players that are diving out of bounds. Now I think people are going to listen to this and say, dude, you're stretching really far for like reasons that we shouldn't have one, but that's legitimately one of the arguments that I saw is there's a safety hazard because those smaller schools can't just place a shot clock on top of the bass the backboard. It it, sometimes it just doesn't work that way. They don't have the electrical resources like you mentioned earlier. So I can see that point. Um, It it would be very difficult. It's not just going to be like, Oh, very simple here's 50 bucks or 100 bucks to put a shot clock in now there's going to be some work that has to go behind it and there's probably going to be a lot of technical difficulties like how often have we have we been at games tv where like especially high school games where maybe the uh, buzzer went off when it wasn't supposed to uh they don't have all the technical stuff uh put together especially in smaller schools smaller venues like there's a lot of technical issues have you ever seen one of those before
1: you don't even have to go that far to even high school. You can even look at college. College still has problems.
0: So now that we've gone over some of the you know, pros and cons of having a shot clock, and we've really actually you know, taken a look at both sides, I kind of want to just talk about uh, – we'll end this on a quick discussion on some of the experiences that we've had. I have one in particular, and then I'm going to let TB finish off with his uh, to finish off the show. So I want to go back in time to my senior year in high school. Um, I was playing in a game at Meridian High. And we're playing against a team named CUNA. It was a five A versus four A matchup that that game. But anyways, we're playing at home, and it was a crazy matchup. Uh, we were actually we were losing. They were a pretty good team that year. They finished third in the in their conference that year, so they were actually pretty good for a four A school. Um, they ended up um, they were they were beating us, and we were down by four. I'm oh, sorry, we were down by three. Well. One of our best point guards, our, our, our best player, essentially, our, our starting point guard fouls out with like two minutes left in the game. We have to bring in our freshman point guard to you know, fill in for him at the end of the game. But we also had some other good, good players on the court. What ends up happening is we shot um, what we thought was a three-pointer. Or one of our other really good players shot what we thought was a three-pointer, banked it in. We thought we tied the game. We were out of timeouts. Uh, there was about a minute left in the game. We thought we tied the game. But uh, we didn't. Apparently, he had his foot on the line. And we couldn't tell that because the referee, it was so loud in the, in the, in the stadium or in the gym because the, the crowd was screaming and we couldn't, couldn't tell what was going on. We thought it was a three. But we looked up at the scoreboard and there had only been two points that had been put on the b- basket. So, therefore, we're down by one. Clock's running down about a minute left in the game. Well, our coach was screaming at our, our – the guys come over and they just start dribbling the ball at half court. And they're just stalling. It's it's about a minute left on the clock. And we just remember they're just like dribbling, dribbling, dribbling. It wasn't until there was about 30 seconds left. It was a long 30 seconds. We thought they were just holding it for the last shot of the game. We didn't know what was going on. We thought it was tied. We look up and we see, oh, we're down by one. So our coach is screaming at our backup point guard to foul. He's like, foul him, foul him. But we couldn't hear because the crowd was screaming. Everybody thought we tied the game. It wasn't until like 30 seconds later. Anyways, what happens is our player couldn't even hear our coach. And we didn't get the foul to actually get them to the line until there was less than 10 seconds left on the clock. Um, and it was because was ext- our, our point guard didn't understand what our coach was doing. He thought the, that the game was tied. There was a lot of stuff that went on. And I was thinking to myself, I remember thinking back then, like, dang, dude, they just got to dribble off about 50 seconds on the clock there. Um, and then if I if I rewind now and I think about it myself, I'm like – in situations like that, obviously, it was stupid. We didn't know. It was, we need to pay attention to what the score is. We need to know what's going on, not get caught up in the emotions of the game. But That's just part of the game. Still, even if there was a 35-second shot clock, 35-second mm-hmm. shot clock, they would have either had to shoot the ball and run a play or they would have had to call timeouts. Something would have had to happen. They would not have been able to dribble the ball out till 10 seconds left in the game. Something would have had to have been done. Would they, would they have won? Who knows? They still probably would have. We, we, we don't know. But that was an experience where I was thinking, well, it, it's, it changes the entire dynamic of the game. Um, not that it was like a season you know, determining factor for us or anything like that, determining factor for the season, but it was like one of those situations where a shot clock would have definitely changed the end of that game because they would have had to run a play. Do you have any experiences that you'd like to share or something?
1: I do, but I'm just surprised you never heard me screaming across the court to tell you guys to foul because I was at that game, and I do remember distinctly the only student in there looking at that saying, Guys, you got a foul, so I can't believe you couldn't hear me screaming at you to foul somebody in that game. I do remember that very well. But a couple of other ones that bring to my mind, a sophomore for me was playing JV at Kimberly against Wood River, something very similar in the first half. I mean, basically, they came up on half court, held the ball for three and a half minutes. The guy did not even dribble. Nobody approached him. Our coach did not even tell him to approach him. And he sat there for three minutes and 38 seconds.
0: Oh, my gosh. Nothing
1: happened. We're all sitting there. Fans, their fans, their spectators, everybody's just sitting there asking, like, what's going on? What, what are we doing? And then basically at some point, I think one of our guys just got tired of it and fouled and actually got pulled out of the game because he was told not to foul and he ended up doing it. So I remember that. And then the other thing, the Boise versus Boer game in 2001, girls basketball, that final score was 17-7. to seven. Bora beat Boise in that title game. And at the time frame, Boise was the best team in all the girls' state basketball. They had swept Bora by more than 20, 30 points in every other game beforehand. So basically, Bora basically looked at it and said, the only way we're going to beat them is hold the ball. And that's what they did the entire game, 17-7. to seven.
0: Oh my gosh, that, dude. That that's a football pretty- score
1: on football score, number one. And number two, you have Boise basically in tears because the girls basically said they were too scared to play us, so they just held the ball. So those are the two factors to me as to why I just cringe at the thought and why shot clock needs to be done for those two examples and your example from the senior year against CUNA.
0: God, 17 to oh, – dude, I, I could go off on that. That's that's the David can't beat Goliath kind of thing. Um that you were referencing earlier, that is ridiculous, dude. I, as a fan, as a player, as a coach, anyone, that's di- that's just <clears throat> disgusting. That is ridiculous and something needs to be done. TB and I are saying shot clock needs to be implemented. If there's funding that's involved, we need to help get behind our community. Like the communities need to get behind the teams, I should say, and help with the funding. That's something that needs to be implemented. Um, other, The other states that have done it, those other eight states, uh, there's no complaints from there. You should just see it. Like they are learning how to play the game. It's just a new change to the game. Everything's always evolving in any sport, in any part of life. We got to evolve. Why don't we just go along with this? It's a long time coming. I hope to see a shot clock in high school basketball uh, sooner than later is my my thoughts on it. And TB, I appreciate you joining me for the show once again. I mean, I always love having your, your, your thoughts and, and everything, and hopefully we can team up and do it again, right?
1: Absolutely, as well. And if, guys, you want more information on it again, Michael McLama put an amazing story out there from the Idaho Statesman. Go read that online. And also the story that Shane was referring to on NFHS.org. There's a lot of information that you can get for and against the shot clock. So I would encourage guys to get your minds on both sides so that you have an understanding.
0: Absolutely. And for all the listeners that are out there, hopefully you learned something today and you enjoyed the discussion. If you have any comments, make sure to leave them. If you can, please go give me a a review on iTunes, subscribe to the podcast, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next week.